please welcome Sister Jane Dominic to speak to us today. Sister Jane Dominic was a classmate of mine over 20 years ago at Aquinas College, so she knew me way back when. Uh, hopefully she won't tell any stories. <laughs> For her introduction, Sister Jane Dominic Laurel is a member of the St. Cecilia Congregation of Dominican Sisters of Nashville, Tennessee. She received her doctorate in sacred theology from the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome, Italy. She's been active in her religious community's teaching apostolate for over 15 years and has assisted with the, the theological formation of the newest members of her religious congregation. In addition to contributing articles to a number of journals and magazines, including the Vatican newspaper, the National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly, the Lineker, did I pronounce that right? The Lineker Quarterly and the Baylor University Medical Center Proceedings. Sister has served as editor-in-chief of her congregation's book, Praying as a Family, which is also available in Spanish, Chinese, and Arabic versions. With EWTN, she directed a television series of the same title. She has also served as the creator and founding director of the University of Dallas's Studies in Catholic Faith and Cultural Program. Please welcome Sister Jane Dominic. Thank you so much, Brad. I only remember very good things about Brad, how dedicated and creative he was when we were at Aquinas together, holding the bar up there high. Um, it's wonderful to be with you. And um, I hope you don't mind if we just start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good, choir master of life, come visit our souls, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. And we pause for a moment to mention in the silence of our hearts any special intentions or people we would like to pray for. And for all of these we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Cecilia, St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay, so what I'd like to share with you is actually a little section of um, a presentation that I'm giving called Suffering in the Narrative of Redemption. I'm giving this presentation around the country for the Thomistic Institute. I don't know if you, can you raise your hand if you've heard of the Thomistic Institute and the work of the Dominican Fathers? Fantastic. They need your prayers. We need your prayers. So there are free pens back there. <laughs> also holy cards. So please feel free to take some and please do pray for our work. Today I'd like to just share with you a little excerpt. I discussed this with Sister Henry Suso and she said it would be perfect actually to share with you a little part that is based on Thomas's treatise on happiness. See, because look, these little guys are showing us what does everybody want? We all want to be happy, right? I think even, um, I think Thomas Aquinas says that, and Aristotle says that, right? We cannot not want to be happy. That's what we're all looking for. But what I've done with the material in the Summa is that together with the cooperation of my students in this kind of dialogue, we've kind of put it in a more contemporary idiom. So how do we open this discussion? You know, if you're ever asked, because you're out there also doing evangelizing work yourself, you may be asked to 
speak to a group. So this is kind of an idea of, of how you could open this conversation using the material that is in the Summa. So this is actually a really simple, kind of straightforward approach to teaching this first part of the Treatise on Happiness. Okay, so Thomas talks about these different places, you could say, where human beings tend to look for happiness, right? And what's the first most common place people look for happiness? It's money, right? Because people think money is gonna make them happy. And you see that happening all over the place, right? But what's bad about this? You've got hoarders, right? So as we start to look at each one of these places, you're gonna realize uh, there's something not good about these places we look for happiness. There's something that's not going to give us, there's a, there's a reason we're not gonna find everlasting happiness in this particular place. So this is one of the reasons, right? Instead of our possessing the money, the money possesses us. What's well, another thing? You use your money to buy this beautiful stuff, but then it gets destroyed, right? Or you, you got this new cell phone and then there's a, new ver there's a newer version out there. What's another thing that happens? Well, it actually can be overwhelming to have too much money, too many things to do, so many places to go. It, it starts to cloy, right? It starts to get boring. And also, what happens when you have a lot of money? Well, people can use you for your money, right? Or they might even kill you for your money. Oh, this is a number of years ago, maybe even two decades ago, in Forbes magazine. I remember coming across this article. And they were interviewing this man who had become like a multimillionaire billionaire. And he was working in some particular field where he made himself a great success. He was an only child. He went to, I think, Harvard Business School or something like that, and actually had a lot of just natural genius. And so he became a billionaire. And so they were interviewing him in Forbes magazine, and they were saying, okay, so what's this, and what's this, and what's this about your secret, and what's this? And of course he could reveal all of his secrets because nobody could touch him at that point. So this whole interview goes on in Forbes magazine. And then finally, the interviewer just kind of asks him one last throwaway question, which was, do you have any regrets? And it's so strange, you know, instead of taking that as like a business, from a business perspective, do you have any regrets? He took it from a personal perspective. And he said, you know, I would give all the money in the world if there were someone who would miss me if I didn't come home at night. Isn't that sad? Right? He spent his whole life pursuing money, pursuing success, that he never stopped to take the time to fall in love. And why was he afraid to get married now? Because someone would just be using him for his money. So often we see that, you know, sometimes the people who have so much don't enjoy anything of what they have. And then those who have very little enjoy the beautiful, simple, little things. Okay, so we're not gonna find everlasting happiness in money. Where else, what's another place? Another place that we look for everlasting happiness, Thomas tells us, is power or control, right? And this is why COVID has been so good for us. We have not been in control, and it's opened us up spiritually. Okay, but what happens when, why do people want power and control, or what happens? Why can power or control not make us everlastingly happy? Well, first of all, no one's gonna be, people are always complaining about people who are in power, right? Simply because you are in power, they, they rebel against you. They don't like your decisions, right? So that's one of the major problems. It's stressful to be in power. And also, isn't this great? It's a little bit disturbing. Here is, um, this is Anthony Falero, right? I think he made this, I'm not promising, but I think he made this painting of his mother, right? 
that her power and her control were so oppressive that he still this, to this day resents her, right? This is what he felt like, is this what he, is this what he felt like his home was? So power and control can actually make us hated by those we should be loved by the most. And we also know what happens to people like Napoleon, Alexander the Great. Well, they become obsessed with power. And you know, it's strange. They think that they're unlocking the powers of the universe when really they're only wreaking their own destruction. So we're not gonna find everlasting happiness in power or control. Now, what's another place we look? Beauty, right? Look at, look at all the, look at all, do you know, I think recently I read somewhere that the fashion makeup industry in the United States of America is like an $80 billion industry, right? Think of all the makeup, all the clothes, you know, whitening your teeth, all that crazy stuff, shaping your eyebrows, right? People become obsessed with beauty, right? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And of course, who doesn't want to be beautiful, right? Because, you know, you get attention, you get admiration. They make Disney characters look like you. <laughs> but what happens to everyone who's beautiful? They get fat and ugly, <laughs> wrinkly. And then, have you ever noticed this? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Do you remember having this experience that the person you wanted to think that you were attractive doesn't think you're attractive, and then the person you don't want to think that you're attractive thinks you're attractive, right? So you, ah. And then also, can you raise your hand if you know beautiful people who are not happy? Raise your hand if you know beautiful people who are, there's a ton of beautiful people who are not happy. And you know, in fact, they have called the supermodels some of the most tortured souls in the world. Why? Because what's rampant in the modeling world is envy, right? They, in fact, want to destroy each other, become better than the other, right? They're, they're so mean to each other. And they're also literally dying to be beautiful, right? We know that there's been this epidemic of anorexia, bulimia, et cetera, and it's especially prevalent in the modeling world. For instance, uh, one of the, they've been doing crazy, they, they've been doing for decades, I think, crazy things like eating Kleenex, or eating cotton balls dipped in orange juice, which is very dangerous, by the way, right? Emergency room dangerous to do that. And um, I remember back in 2006, I was researching some of this, and I, this is years ago now, but in 2006, there was something remarkable that I think really shook everyone up and got their attention. Three supermodels, runway models, all died within six months of each other. So one was Anna Carolina Reston. She died of anorexia on the, she died of a, she went to cardiac arrest on the runway because she, all she was eating was lettuce and Diet Coke. The same, within that same six months, Luisel Ramos and her sister, Elena Ramos, both also died of anorexia. But this is still happening today. So for instance, not even a year ago, December of 2020, Yosi Maria, who is an Instagram influencer, she died of a heart attack again because this is one of the complications that comes with anorexia. So this trying to achieve these impossible ideals of beauty, right, they become obsessed with it. And so we're not gonna be able to find everlasting happiness in beauty. What's another place we look? Pleasure, right? Oh, pleasure. Hamburgers, pizza, french fries, 
nacho cheese on your french fries, okay? And just think about this brownies, okay? Think about how brownies work. Is this how brownies work? Okay, so you have one brownie, and you're like, oh, I'm so happy. And then you eat that brownie. Then you eat a second brownie. Do you get happier? And you eat a third brownie, you get happier. And a fourth brownie, you get happier. And a fifth brownie, you get happier. No, that's not the way it works, right? You keep eating, 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 and then you become like poor, sick panda bear. And then with the other things that are pleasurable, what happens with other things that are pleasurable? Well, they can make us into slaves, right? And this is still happening so much today. And whether it's video games or social media or pornography, we have become slaves to pleasure, right? We can become slaves to pleasure, addicted to pleasure. And it dehumanizes us. You know, I love what Jacques Philippe says. Jacques Philippe says, where there is no joy, there can never be enough pleasure. Think about that. Where there is no joy, there can never be enough pleasure, right? These are two distinct things that have distinct sources. Okay, where else do people look for this everlasting happiness? Or where else do people look today for happiness? They look, in, they look for happiness in fame. But what happens with fame is that well, famous people, we know, they lose their privacy, right? The paparazzi are always after you. You can't ever be alone. And there's also rumors, gossip, falsehoods spread about you. The famous, the famous are defamed, right? People sometimes hate you just because you're famous. Now, it's really interesting. Lady Gaga, Netflix did a little documentary on her. I'm sure you didn't watch it because you're probably watching, you know, talks that Thomas that are on Thomas and <laughs> great philosophers. Good choice. So I'm just going to excerpt. I didn't watch it either, but I'm just going to excerpt this one little part of the interview for you. So this is the Netflix documentary called Gaga, Five Foot Two. So they're speaking to her behind the scenes. So this is the time she was talking about all that pressure around performing at the Super Bowl halftime show, or actually putting on the entire halftime show. She broke up with her fiance, Taylor Kinney. She was working on her new album, Joanne. And there's a particularly powerful scene where she's talking to her stylist, Brandon. And she says, I'm alone, Brandon, every night. And all these people will leave, right? They'll leave, and then I'll be alone. I go from everyone touching me all day and talking at me all day to total silence, right? It's actually beautiful, right? She does us a great gift by showing us that fame really isn't everything that people think it is. And think about some of the other famous people that we know, even the people we consider legends, right? Marilyn Monroe, um, she died, I think, from an overuse of barbiturates and an overdose of barbiturates. Elvis Presley died of a heart attack that was due to the overuse of barbiturates. And then in more recent times, I think we were all shocked by the suicide of Robin Williams. Also, um, Ariana Grande's boyfriend, I think, committed suicide, drug overdose. Chris Cornell, suicide by hanging. And uh, Chester Bennington. At the time of his death, Chester Bennington had a net worth of $30 million and he committed suicide by hanging. Now, just so you know, when I talk to college audiences, I don't tell them that it was suicide by hanging, but I can tell you that, right, because I don't wanna, it's just kind of, it's just so sad, right? So we're not gonna find everlasting happiness in fame. 
okay, where's the last place we tend to look for happiness? And Thomas doesn't really treat this too much, but I think this is something that really appeals to people today, right? The fact that we look for happiness in other people. But right off the bat, we can think of reasons why other people aren't gonna make us everlastingly happy, right? Do you remember when you were a child? The people that were your friends when you were a child, what happened to them? They grew up, they moved away, or they moved away before you grew up, right? Or people die. So they betray us, they misunderstand us. And sometimes when people love us, certain people love us, maybe our relatives or maybe even our parents, they can have expectations of us that are so high that we can feel like we're never enough. And so their love becomes more like chains than something that sets us free. And then also there are misunderstandings in relationships, right? There are infidelities. Oh, I love this haunting image given to us by René Magritte. He calls it the famine, right? Look at these clownish figures, right? They're starving. And what are they doing because they're starving? They're eating each other. And isn't that, to some extent, what happens today, right? We're, we're starving for attention, for love to be noticed. And this is happening more and more. There are all kinds of studies on this, right? Children are growing up without parental attention, without real friendships. They're, they're hyper-connected, and so they don't have real relationships. And because they're starving for this attention, what do they do? They consume one another, right? We can consume one another in our desire for love. Here's the same image but put in a contemporary medium, right? I think this is fascinating, right? It says no real identities online, right? You don't know who's commenting about you or who, you don't really know who's commenting about you or who you're commenting about. Words are powerful, right? So he's attacking her, right? And she's being destroyed by him. And another haunting image from Rene Magritte, he calls this the two lovers, right? This is one of the things that's happening today with the hookup culture, but it was also happening you know, 30, 40 years ago with artificial contraception. I think this is a perfect image to capture both the hookup culture and artificial contraception. This idea that, sure, you can use my body, but I will still remain unknown, right? People are, are not known, they're not truly loved, they're only used. But if you think about it, even in even in good, healthy, romantic relationships, right, which are part of God's will, God's plan for us, young people and even older people, middle-aged people, right, they can have unrealistic expectations of the other person. Our souls can only be filled by God, right? They're huge. And so, you know, your spouse can maybe fill it this much, your children can fill it this much, but only God can fill the entirety of your soul, right? So it's, it's too much, it's unfair to expect your spouse to fill you completely, right? And we see so many people getting divorced in little age, for instance. Why? Because there are wounds that need healing. And that's actually part of the gift husbands and wives have, is to help each other heal the wounds. But it's sometimes so difficult that it's only God's invitation into that pain and into that suffering that's gonna allow the problem to be resolved, right? And they do it together through the grace of the sacrament of matrimony. So this is more what God's plan is like, right? Um, a husband and wife walking side to side, looking forward and going toward God. So we're not gonna find everlasting happiness in other people, 
Though, out of all the six places we look, this is the place that comes closest to making us happy, right? Because this is where we begin to encounter genuine love, right? And God is love. And God is the source of our happiness. And other people are images of God, right? Okay, so now what I want to do is go back, and we're going to do something that you don't find in the Summa, but which I think in the middle of all of these conversations I've been having with young people is something that came up that I think is really marvelous. One of our sisters asked, um, you know, we look in these six different places, but is there some, what is it that we're really looking for in those places? And thus ensued a very lively discussion. So now I'd like to go back to each of those six places and look with you at the genuine spiritual values we are actually looking for when we look for happiness in those six places. Does that make sense? Okay, so think about this. What is the genuine spiritual value that we're looking for when we look for happiness in money? What does money give us that's a genuine spiritual value? What? Freedom. Exactly, freedom. What else does it give us? Security. Security. Very good. What else? Sustenance, right? So, so you're, 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 you have this kind of peace, right? Because you're sustained, you're satisfied. You don't need to keep working, 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 right? There's, so there's a security, a stability, a peace, a freedom that we get from money. But, but, but you can also have those things without a ton of money, right? But you're on to something, right? So people are not idiots. There's something that they're really looking for. Okay, so what is it that they're really looking for in power or control? What's the genuine spiritual value that we can find in power or control? What, what is it that we're actually really looking for? Not that we're gonna find it in power or control, but what is it that we're, what's the genuine spiritual value that in a sense we have an intuition toward and we can misdirect it by looking for power or control? Order, right? Predictability. And again, that whole idea of stability, just like money gives us stability, right? Um, power and control can give us that kind of stability. What else? Respect. Oh, respect. Very good. Very good, right? Because when you have power or control, people respect you. Self-determination. Self-determination. You all are awesome. You're such good Dominicans. <laughs> so, yes, 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 yes. And think about that, isn't that true? Every single, every single thing you've said, right? Self-determination, respect, what was the first thing? Order. Order, right? Okay, this is so awesome. One of the postulants who just entered in August said, sister, isn't it that because we're created in the image and likeness of God, and I'm adding a little bit to this, okay? And he's given us a particular vocation that only we can fill isn't it when we recognize we have this power, it's really, we're recognizing the call that we have. Isn't that beautiful? So I would add to that that yes, we have a call to a noble accomplishment. A noble accomplishment that is worthy of respect, that brings order to our lives, that brings this kind of self-determination. And what is it? It's the call to sanctity. Holiness is the greatest human achievement. 
And in our search for power, I think that's actually what we're recognizing. We're recognizing we have the power to achieve sanctity, to achieve holiness. Right? This is something gorgeous. And it's something transcendent. Okay. What is it that we're looking for? No, that, that's... So what we're looking for in power and control, the genuine spiritual values, you could say, are order, self-determination, respect, but really, it's the recognition that within, we are called to some noble accomplishment. And that noble accomplishment is holiness. You guys have, we have the power to cooperate with God, to become saints with him for all eternity. That's pretty amazing. Okay, have you guys ever thought about this? Time's gonna end, right? And God's gonna stop making people. But you know, he wanted you to exist. He wanted me to exist, right? We made the cutoff. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna be in the communion of saints. Let's all pray for each other to get each other there. Okay, beauty. What is it that we're looking for in beauty? What's the genuine spiritual value we're looking for in beauty? Anybody? What happens to beautiful things? Exactly, right? Beautiful things are loved. Beautiful people are loved. So that's what we're really looking for in beauty. We're looking to be loved, right? To be seen. I remember going to Texas and I had this, there was this big billboard of boots, of course, in Texas. Of course, you'd see that in Nashville too, right? And the billboard said, get noticed, right? Isn't that what we want to be seen? Think about that. When you're with other people, when you're, when you're out doing apostolic work, remember that, right? Because to be seen, to be noticed, to be heard is to be loved. And people think by being beautiful, I will be loved. Okay, but that's not the only thing. That's an excellent, that's I think first and foremost what we're looking for when we look for happiness and beauty. But there's one other thing, at least one other thing, one other genuine spiritual value in beauty. Yes. Yes. You're totally onto it. Are we there yet? When are we? In, when we get there, we're going to say that we are perfect, right? And that word is a beautiful word. Perfect comes from the two Latin words per and factus. Pair means thoroughly, P-E-R. It's a prefix that means thoroughly. Factus comes from facere, like a confection, right? It's a little baked good that you really want to eat, like a donut or a cupcake, okay? So facere, like in confection, to make. Um, Pair, facere, perfect, thoroughly made. Isn't that a beautiful word? You will be thoroughly made with your cooperation. You will, have been made, you will have been made into a saint. And I think that's what we look for when we look for happiness and beauty. Perfection, right? That's why we desire beauty, because the beautiful things are perfect. Okay, pleasure. What's the genuine spiritual value we're looking for in pleasure? I'm gonna tell you a little story. So one day, I was sitting down for lunch with the sisters, and um, we were talking to each other at this little circle table. We were talking through our lunch, talking through our lunch. And then I got to dessert. And so I take a bite of this carrot cake that Sister Nicholas Marie made. And as I 
as I was, as I put that carrot cake in my mouth, I thought to myself, there is a God. <laughs> and he loves me. <laughs> okay, so what is it that we're experiencing? Or what is it that, what is it that pleasure points us to? Joy, right? Very good. Thanks, Marilyn. Right? It shows us that we're made for joy. That's what we're looking for, right? There is, when we are delighted in, when someone seeks to delight us, right? They give us pleasure. You know, there was this, this dad who used to pack his lunch for his, for his kids. And um, like his little girl, he'd draw little cartoons on her brown paper bag. And you know what she did? She would save all of her little brown paper bags because her dad drew cartoons on them, right? And why? Because they gave her pleasure, but really they didn't give her pleasure, just pleasure. They gave her joy, right? Because there's a love behind this wanting to give the other person pleasure. And this is, makes sense of why Jacques Philippe said, where there is no joy, there can never be enough pleasure. Right, where there is no love. Look at all the people out there starving for love, and they just run after pleasure. Pornography, alcohol, drugs, food, right? And this is the Dominican gift, to bring joy, to bring love to others, right? That's what we are all supposed to do. Okay, why can we not find everlasting happiness in fame? That means I have seven minutes or seven seconds? Seven minutes? You're gonna give me seven whole minutes. Thanks, sister. Okay, so fame. What are, no, what are we looking for? Ask the wrong question. What are we looking for? What's the genuine spiritual value that we find in fame? Satisfaction. Satisfaction at what? You're totally right, but satisfaction at what? Exactly. Being known. What did you say? Being recognized. Being recognized. Right? It goes, that, it goes back to the whole thing. You know, I was in here once giving a tour, and I was, it, was a, it was like this huge group of like middle schoolers. And I said, do you know what? God knows you, and he loves you. And you should have seen their faces. They like all lit up and started smiling. Right? Because that's what is so missing today. People do not feel known. They do not feel loved. So that's why people are looking for fame, right? They want to get hits, they want to get likes, because it says I'm known, it says I'm loved. So we're looking for that same type of thing. But what else, is, what else makes people famous? I think there's more we can say here. There's more we can say about fame. Would it be a kind of validation that you're, that you're worthy? Legitimacy. Legitimacy, worthy, keep going. That you're good because why? Why are you good? You're a child of God. Is that why people are getting famous because they're children of God? What do you do to get famous? What do you got to do to get famous? Come on, everybody. What? You got to entertain. Okay, so what is that? If you are known for being a great entertainer, what is that? That is a great... The best, right? So notice this. There's an accomplishment, right? Like, we know Nobel Prize winners, right? Einstein, he's accomplished. So this whole idea that we want to be known for some noble accomplishment. And again, we know that noble accomplishment is holiness, right? John Paul II is famous. Benedict XVI is famous. Edith Stein is famous because of their noble accomplishment, right? So your life, 
Your sanctity is your noble accomplishment. And that makes you famous in the communion of saints. Okay, finally. Oh, but you know what? Can I just say one, one thing? Because this word came up. Somebody said dignity, right? Now, this is unrelated to fame, I think. Because every single human person has dignity, right? And we always talk about dignity. Human dignity. Do you know, why, are we, why do we talk about human dignity, 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 dignity? What does that mean? Dignity. What does dignity mean? You know, dignity comes from this Latin word, dignus. Dignus. D-I-G-N-U-S. And you know what dignus means? Dignus means worthy. I think you said it. To have dignity is to be worthy. Every single human person has dignity because you are worthy. What is it that you are worthy of? Love. God's love. You're worthy not just of human love. You're worthy of God's love. That's what gives you dignity. That's what gives every single person you meet and see dignity. That's the foundation of dignity, right? Because God loves every single human being. Okay, other people, sorry. What are, what's the genuine spiritual value we're looking for in other people? What is it that we find? Connection, Connection. very good, right? We know we're made for communion, right? Like the Trinity, we're made in the image and likeness of God, a communion of persons. So we're made for communion, we're made for connection. What else? Well, we could keep going along with that idea of communion connection. We want to, what? Belong. Belong, exactly, right? You belong to the Catholic Church. You belong to the Dominican family. You belong to your family. You belong to your spouse. You belong to God, right? This is what we long for, to belong to something bigger than ourselves. And in the place where we belong, to be known, to be loved, to be delighted in, right? To be missed when we're not there, to be welcomed back when we come, right? It was so beautiful, like I was talking to Mary Bug, and she's like, well, everyone couldn't come today, but we'll, we'll welcome them back next time, right? Which is a beautiful thing, right? That's what a real community does. Okay, well, I'm gonna stop there with my presentation because I think we got to the end. You all did a fantastic job. So thank you all so much for having me. Glory be, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. St. Thomas Aquinas and all you saints in the communion of saints, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, y'all.